Good morning, everyone. How are we all today? Good. I was happy to see uh, Dave's original slide that said Merry Christmas. I wasn't sure if we were able to say that anymore. But uh, I don't care. Merry Christmas to all of you. As uh, David said, uh, the verse that we're looking at here from Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, is foundational to what we're going to talk about. So we're going to get into that in, uh, in just a moment here. Now, take this for what it is, but it's how man has twisted this celebration. We have three wise men who are spending their time buying gifts. And something not right about that, I know. You know, when we think about Christmas, it brings from God a message of things such as joy, peace, goodwill, hope, love towards man, compassion, all those things. And oh yes, it also brings man in his self-centered ways to turn it into a celebration of turkey, presents, extravagances, beyond belief and beyond debt. And I'm sure that each and every one of us here are in a little bit of debt over Christmas here. As uh, January comes along, we're going to have a few bills for things that we probably shouldn't have bought, but we did anyway. When we're told that the path to salvation is narrow, perhaps it's because we can never fit all of our goods, all of these extravagances, our toys, into the narrow pathway, including my widening waistband, by the way. We have to keep that between the ditches. And yet, in spite of all of these ideas that I spoke about, I kept getting drawn back, drawn back, pardon me, to Jesus Christ and the celebration of a single birth. But it was more than a single birth, much more. I want to spend time this morning on three different aspects, and Dave alluded to it a little bit there, and it comes through in the slide that we have. The first is the presence and influence of God. And note that I'm talking about presence as in here with us, not gifts that are wrapped up with paper. Okay, um, So God is with us here, and we want to know that, and we want to be reminded of that. As I look back over the past two or three years and realized where the elders had guided us as a church, as a family of Christ, and I, I thank them, by the way, because I think they've done a wonderful job and much of what I'm going to talk about today is a result of what they've talked about. So I hope I hit some of the uh, hopes and thoughts that they had when they put it together. Uh, it's always been about Jesus Christ, plain and simple. There's no two ways out of that. And the more grandiose and all-encompassing uh, than anything that we could ever imagine, it was and it is and it will be. It's his participation in all things of creation. And remember the study uh, that we did that specifically reflected upon the upper level where God reigns and directs his activities towards a lower level. That lower level is us. He focused on his beloved creation. That's us as well. Where he had a place and he put man in control of it. This celebration of a single birth, while it's oh so important, it's just one part of the plan. It's God's way to impart grace to each and every one of us to reveal more and more about himself to us. So in a particular way, each revelation is a new gift to you and for you. I don't see much excitement. There should be some. The verse from Hebrews 13.8 says, 
and it was chosen as foundational, by the way, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I got thinking about that because when we celebrate Christmas, we think about that time 2,000 plus years ago where this little baby was born in a manger, straw, you know, the, the cattle, the donkeys, all that type of thing. But it's more than that. And it began way, way, way before that. A parallel verse to Hebrews 13.8 might be Revelation 1.8, the last book in God's Word. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. That sums it up right there. He's not only the first and the last, the beginning and the end, but He's able to do all things. He is the Almighty. We can see God's guiding hand over all things as we look at this period of celebration. And we begin right in Genesis 1, verse 1, where he says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then in verse 26, just a few verses later, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There was nothing. And then there was a plan. Now note, let us make Man in our image and in our likeness. He is the triune God, consisting of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Alpha, the First. Jesus Christ was there at the beginning, before the earth was created. When they put the plan together, Jesus Christ was there, not waiting to be put in a manger. He was there, participating in the plan. Preparing a temporary place for us here on earth, and a permanent place for us in heaven. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's Romans 1.20. And also in 1 Chronicles 29.11, just so that you know that it works in the Old Testament as well, It says that yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. So there was a plan started and guided and executed by God. In his word, we often see the phrase, it came to pass. And although it's in the past tense, it doesn't mean that it's historical and it's not of any relevance. It is of great value. And it's part of the plan and it's part of the story. And keep in mind that every time it came to pass, Jesus Christ was there making certain it came to pass. God the Father was there making certain it came to pass. The Holy Spirit, the same thing. To the contrary, it is of value because it says that it's God's way of revealing more about himself to the world in his time and his way. We are created in his image, but we can't take it all in. He knows that. He knows you're not capable of understanding it, that I won't get it, that I'll be overwhelmed with all the information. Each time he revealed something to man, it represented a show of love. It showed a heart wide open to each and every one of us. And how did God reveal himself to us? Well, here's some Old Testament verses and some ways that he did that. And keep in mind that this is not a complete list, but it gives you an idea, and you can go back and check it if you like. He directly spoke to people, Adam, in Genesis 3, 
Cain in Genesis 4, Noah in Genesis 6, Samuel in 1 Samuel 3. In physical form to Abraham in Genesis 18. As an angelic messenger to Hagar in Genesis 16. As a whirlwind to Job. As an unconsuming flame of fire to Moses. As a talking donkey to Balaam. What about the damp fleece to Gideon? A small, still voice to Elijah. How about the dreams of Daniel? To the Pharaoh, to Nebuchadnezzar. To people who were his enemies. How about the visions to Jacob, to Ezekiel? How about providing manna to the Israelites? There's something that you can actually see. He also talked through priests and prophets, and we know all about that. And through the reading of his word, Exodus 24, Deuteronomy 17, 31, Nehemiah, Joshua. In fact, Joshua 21, 45 says that not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. So it's historical, but it's not irrelevant. It's part of God's plan. So here we are. We've gone through the Old Testament. You've seen how God reveals himself to man, how he's tried to reveal himself to man. And now we're at the birth of Jesus Christ. At the end of the past times, we're now regarding this as an annual celebration of a single birth. It's the present time. Now, God is in charge. And as the scripture says, it came to pass and now it will come to pass. All this leads to our celebration of Christmas, the present Present as in today, not the wrapping with the paper. Okay? So we turn our focus to a baby in a manger. And we heard a little bit about it today in the songs that we sang. We've seen it year after year after year. It's almost become blasé. We don't think of it too much. We expect it to happen. We expect to see little children up here, uh, shepherd staffs, uh, you know, dressed in uh, the clothing of the day, that type of thing. But God has been in charge from day one, and he was in charge that day when Jesus was born. I want to talk now about the gift. And this is going to seem like it's a little bit out of context with what I've talked about up until now, but I want you to put it in context, into the story. Okay, as we transition to the gift, it doesn't mean that God's influence stops. It only means that it changed direction. God knew that all that had occurred over the centuries were only band-aid solutions. He knew that it would not completely solve the problem of man. Temporary and not meant to be a cure, but rather a stopgap measure. Waiting for us to be obedient. Waiting for us to understand what it was that he was revealing to us. So the New Testament comes along and it begins with a really important time, the birth of the Son of God, a revelation unlike anything the world has ever seen. And we're still talking about it over 2,000 years later, and we don't have a clue what we're talking about. Let's be honest. He's revealed things to us. We've thrown them out with the bathwater. Some of it we've kept, but we've interpreted incorrectly. Jesus Christ is the gift. 
Now, this gift, as I said before, it's about finality. And I'm sorry about the watery eyes here, but uh, it's about finality. God's at the point now where he realizes we aren't going to get it. So he's got to send somebody who can make it happen. And because there's not one perfect on earth, not one, who can even come into his presence directly, he has to send his son. No more temporary fixes. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This gift is so important, so central to our celebration of God's love for us. So let's talk just about the gift for the time being. okay? And I'm talking about the gift that is wrapped in paper. In this case, it's just wrapped in swaddling clothes and it lies in a manger. But let's reflect upon that. At the time of birth, wise men brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh and presented it to the baby. Now that didn't happen the same day that he was born. That took time. It took months and months and months. In fact, it could have taken up to close to two years for them to find the baby. These gifts that they brought, frankincense, myrrh, gold, were gifts that were brought to a total stranger, a complete stranger. These wise men didn't even know who Jesus was. This baby in a manger was an alien to those wise men. Think about that. You know, as families, brothers and sisters, friends, we all compare the gifts to see whether they're appropriate. When we give a gift to our wife or to our son or to our aunt or our uncle, we want to make sure that it's just the right gift, that they won't be offended, that we don't have to explain it, but that they'll be just overwhelmed with joy, so thankful that it'll be the most important gift they get this Christmas, that they'll forget the gifts that your sister gave them Because yours is the most important. Isn't that the way we do it? Absolutely. Now this is not to embarrass you or puff you up. But I want you to see another side of this gift situation and reflect upon it. Okay? The specific gift of Jesus Christ was given to all. Just like the three wise men, we're all strangers. We're all sinners. We were all separated from God. Separated from Jesus Christ. Romans 5 10 says, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So this birth is really, really important. But it didn't just happen that night. It was planned for. And it was planned for all the people, not only before his birth, but after his birth. It was planned for you and me 2,000 plus years later. And for some people who are being born this day. It was planned for them. We don't even know their names. But God does. He had to be born so that this could happen. We were enemies and yet he came. I ask, is Jesus Christ a stranger to you or an enemy? Do you give him a gift at the celebration of his birth? 
You do to your children, don't you? You do to your wife, to your friends, to your best friend. You give them a gift, don't you? Why should he give you a gift when you didn't give him anything? The gift that you bought, that you're going to give to him, is it beyond measure? Are you willing to give it to somebody you don't even know? I suggest to you that Jesus is not a stranger, or at least he shouldn't be. And you tell everybody that he's not a stranger, that he's your friend, that he's your Lord and Savior. But do you show it? Do you show it back to him? You know, your gift may not have been affordable, as I said before, but you put it on a credit card to be paid for later. You know that eventually it will be paid for. There's going to be a little bit of hurt. Might take you three months to pay it off. Might take you a year to pay it off. But it's going to get paid off. But you know something? By the time it gets paid off, it's going to be worthless. Because whoever you gave it to is going to lose it, break it, forget about it. Get another gift that's better than the one that you got. How can you win? How can you win? Really? Just think about the cost that God made to send his son to earth for you as a gift. It didn't cost him money. It didn't cost him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Think of the emotional heartache that it must have caused him to volunteer his son to go through the sacrifices, the pain, the suffering, the humiliation, the death on a cross. This was the happy time right now. But God knew what was coming. Jesus knew what was coming. The Holy Spirit knew what was coming. We should have known what was coming because it was foretold. It was revealed to us. This gift that you give this year, can you give it again next year? Probably not. Unless it's something that was re-gifted. We've heard of that happening. But you know something? The gift of God, the gift of Christ, is a gift that is fresh every day. Every time you come to the Lord, it can be a new gift. It can be something different than what you had yesterday. Today maybe is not the same problem that you had yesterday. And when you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I surrender myself to you. Lord, here's my problem. Lord, please help me. And he answers you. He solves and reveals more of himself to you today than he did yesterday. And he takes care of that problem. So even though it's something that happened centuries ago, it's still relevant today. And as his word says, it come to pass. It comes to pass. Look at this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. This is in the Old Testament. Way before Jesus showed up. Jesus had a plan. God had a plan. This birth was part of that plan. 
but we're not getting it. One more point as we try and bring this to a close. How should all of this be reflected upon you and through you? How do you respond to the gift that's being offered to you? I'm not going to give you the answer to that. I'm going to leave that up to you to ask that question and to answer that to yourself in your own privacy where only you and the Lord are there. Because I think it is very much a personal concern to you. I do want to point out, though, that in the New Testament, he continues to reveal himself to us. And while he revealed himself to us through many different areas, uh, we certainly know about Paul on the road and uh, uh, some of the other issues, Primarily, it was through his son, Jesus Christ, that he starts to reveal himself more and more. It says in Hebrews 1.1, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Jesus is the word of God personified. John 1 1 and 14 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and beheld His glory, the glory as only the begotten of the Father. As only of the begotten of the Father. He says in John 14:9, He who has seen me has seen the Father. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, In Christ, God was manifested in flesh. Colossians 2.9 says, In Him, Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But you know, maybe it's the responses of Nicodemus and the blind man in John's Gospel that really represent the ongoing revelation of God to man and the value of the gift before us. Nicodemus, realizing that Jesus was a teacher, having come from God, because he said, no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's John 3, 2. The blind man who had been healed declared that if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Man can do nothing apart from God. That's in John nine thirty three. Do you believe that? You say you do. Do your neighbors think that that's what you believe? Or are you just another physical body that lives in a building next to them? You know, because we can't see God, many of us doubt, question whether God exists. And certainly in hard times, it's maybe not as obvious as it should be. Lacking faith in the unseen Many fail to see beyond their own feeble efforts to discern all that is before them. Think about it a little bit. Has God ever left you alone? He's always been there. All you had to do was ask Him. As I look out on the crowd today, I think all of you are aware of having come to Him through words. You acknowledge that you were a sinner. You acknowledge that He is the Lord of Lords. You ask Him to forgive your, your sins. And you want to follow Him. You want to take up your cross and follow Him. You want to be considered a child of God. Great. 
But they're only words. If you don't follow them up with actions, they're useless. They rust. They get eaten away. They deteriorate just like the gift that you gave to your friend last year or two years ago or three years ago. If anything has come to me in the past year with all of the studies that we've done, with all of this upper level and lower level and learning to believe in Jesus, the great, great uh, time that we had studying uh, apologetics, proving that there is a God, that the Bible is his word, all of those things, those are all parts of God revealing himself to you, to me. And it's important in our lives. But it's only important if you do something about it. So I ask, have you examined all that's been revealed to you? And are you prepared to obey Him as He commands in Acts 1.8? Having received the power of the Spirit that has come upon you, you shall be witnesses to Me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That's a big bite. It's hard to say we can do that. But you know something? He also asks you to take up the call through obedience to Him. In 2 Corinthians 6.1, He says, We then, as workers together with Him, Him being Christ, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't just receive the words. Act upon them. Act upon them. You see, because when the end of the earth comes, it's only the beginning of eternity for God. Imagine that, eternity, with God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's God's gift to you. He wants you to have that gift, to open it as many times as you want. It'll be new every time you open it. You'll be more excited every time you open that gift. He simply wants to know, are you going to be there for him? Will you be able to see what it's all about? Let me just close with this final verse. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the angel said unto them, Fear no more, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Luke 2, 9-11. What else can be added to that? You know, there's nothing wrong with going through Christmas, giving gifts to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. But why not give a few to your enemies? Why not give a gift back to Christ and say to Him, that you want Him to receive the greatest gift of all. And that's your obedience and your trust in Him. That's what it's all about. And there's nothing wrong with that. Let's just close in prayer. And then we'll ask the music team to come up and uh, give us one final hymn. Lord, it is one simple birth, and yet it is oh so important in all that you reveal to us. You have shown us, Lord, that there is a plan, that you have been there from the beginning, and that you will be there in the end. 
We thank You, Lord, that You've been so patient with us. That You understand, Lord, that no matter what we did, what we could do or will do, will not be enough. That You had to send Your Son. It was the only way. But You did it not to conquer the world, not to be king above all kings in the way that the world thinks about it, but you came to serve. You wanted to make sure that each creation of yours, each person on this earth, past, present, and future, would be accounted for, would have that opportunity to know you in eternity. You were preparing a mansion for us. But it only works if we accept the invitation. Lord, I just pray that as the next few days go by that we would celebrate the Christmas season, but also that we would reflect upon the relevance of that season as you have shown us here today. And I pray also, Lord, a simple prayer that may our actions Follow our words. Lord, we just thank you for your love towards us and we pray these things in your Son's precious name. Amen. We thank you for this indescribable gift, Father, that we have this child given to us who will reign forevermore. We pray that as Wade has um, delivered this, these thoughts, we would take them and put them into action as he has advised us and encouraged us. And we pray that we might be your people in this kingdom that you have. In Jesus' name, amen.